0: Holy Spirit, come by me to propel powerful your session with Mary, thy well the spouse, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> I have other sheep that are not of this whole. Jesus was speaking of the Gentiles, the non-Jews. The Jews were those original sheep who rejected most of them at least, their savior, their good shepherd. And the apostles went out to preach the good news, first to the Jews, but then to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews who received his message. And that proclamation of the gospel has gone on ever since. It still goes on today to carry the good news of Christ to the ends of the world. As baptized person of Christ leads to the body of the church, Each one of us, in our own particular state of life, whether married or single or celibate, are called to proclaim Christ to others, to bring others to a knowledge and love of Jesus Christ, and along with that, to bring them to a knowledge and appreciation of the fullness of the truth of the one true faith, the Catholic faith, which taken as a whole shines forth in radiant beauty why is this? Well, because the truth is beautiful. Formation in the beauty of the truth of our Catholic faith begins really at the parish level. And this formation includes even our church building, especially its furnishings and artwork, all of which should assist in communicating to people who come into this church the beauty of the truth of our Catholic faith. Beauty itself in works of art has a, a special power to bring people to a deeper appreciation of the truths of the faith. I'll quote here from John Paul II's 1999 letter to artists, a beautiful letter, where he speaks of the beauty of, the, of, of artwork, and how it draws people. He says, in a sense, art is a kind of visual gospel, the concrete mode of catechesis teaching. Precisely how does sacred art act as a kind of visual gospel? Well, an example is each week the gospel is proclaimed, as we just heard it, okay? and those present profess their faith in the Articles of the Creed. And when those very truths of the faith take concrete form in works of Christian art that surround them statues and paintings, sacred music, architecture, all of these become a kind of visual gospel by which faith we can see and hear and touch the mysteries of our faith. And all of these inspire a deepening of faith and render concrete through sight and sound the truths that we believe. Sacred art promotes a divine pedagogy or a form of teaching that encompasses the entire person, body and soul, which is, I think, all the more needed in our present day, our present culture, which is so visual, the television, the movies, the internet, and so many times, most of the time, I would say, these present just worldly, secular images. The Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches, I quote, genuine sacred art draws man to adoration, to prayer, and to the love of God, creator, savior, and sanctifier. Great art and its beauty leads one from seeing to contemplation, to adoration of God, veneration of the saints, and a deeper appreciation of the truths of our faith. Sacred art is really an earthly glimpse into heavenly realities. It carries us there. This is precisely why the Catholic Church, throughout its 2,000-year history, has promoted great art in its church buildings where people come to worship. Just think of the great basilicas in Rome. You walk into St. Peter's Basilica. Literally, your breath is taken away by the beauty, the awesomeness of the architecture, the paintings, all of it, statuary. The beauty in sacred art attracts and inspires and instructs in the truths of our Catholic faith. For example, just take a look to my left, the statue of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. For generations, that statue has helped to form the faith and deepen devotion of the people in our parish to Our Lady and to the Christ child. And it has had a great catechetical or teaching influence over the many decades. This leads me to Primary topic of my sermon today, which is our sanctuary renovation, which I proposed to the parish a number of months ago. If you'll recall, this proposal included, first of all, a newly constructed altar under our Baltic Kingdom, that's what that is, I'll just call it an arch okay, to provide a more fitting throne for the tabernacle in which our Lord Jesus Christ and the Eucharist would be reposed, and also a new altar would be a place to enthrone the current statue of Our Lady, so she would be in the center of our church to honor her as our patroness of our parish. And this really returns to our roots in the parish, because in the old church, which was just west of 27th Avenue, the statue of Our Lady was in the middle on the high altar. You'll be able to see that in brochures, which are available today after Mass. In addition to the new altar under the baldacchino, also proposed our paintings of, first of all, two murals on the right side as you're facing the altar would be a mural of Our Lady handing the brown scapular to St. Simon's Stock. and on the left side of the arch would be a mural of the two prophets, Elijah and Elisha, who are considered the founders of the Carmelite order. Elijah, with a fiery chariot about to be taken away, handing off his mantle to Elisha, his successor. These two murals really provide an earthly glimpse into heavenly realities, eternal realities. Other paintings are proposed. Up on the top of the sanctuary, ten Carmelite saints to name just two, St. Teresa, the Little Flower and St. Teresa of Avila, the great mystic and doctor of the church. Saints inspire us to imitate their lives of holiness on earth in order to join them in heaven. And then up in the dome, angels with a blue dome that would be painted. At the outside I'll say this, I was never on any personal crusade to undertake a renovation of our sanctuary. This is why I proposed the idea, first to the Parish Pastoral Council, then to the Lady Society, and finally to all the parishioners at weekend masses. While a small number of people didn't want any change, the great majority, the overwhelming majority, supported the proposal, either with the Carmelite Saints on top or without. And in the months that followed, our Parish Pastoral and Finance Council discussed this proposal extensively, along with a renovation committee composed of members of our parish. And we decided it would be best to pursue our sanctuary renovation in two phases. The first phase would be the construction of the new altar under the baldacchino, the arch, and we're committed to this phase already, fully committed. After the first phase, when the altar is completed, we see how it looks. Then we will decide whether to fully commit to the second phase, the paintings, and how much of the second phase, the two murals, the Ten Carmelite Saints, etc. Whether we commit and go forward with phase two will depend upon the funds that we raise for the project and our parish pastoral council will assess both the amount of donations and our parish financial condition in order to make that determination we have the money to complete phase one, the altar, but we don't want to um, commit all of our parish funds to complete phase two. We want donations to help fund this project. A few months ago, I, along with Stephen Cascio, who was our design artist, who designed the, the two shrines to St. Gemma and St. Pio, we went before the Archdiocesan Building Commission to present and they make recommendations to the Archbishop. They gave us a recommendation approved and and the Archbishop has approved our proposal and has given permission to undertake a fundraising effort. We would like to raise $400,000 to help pay for this if we could. We don't know if we'll raise that much, but uh, we're, we're hoping to raise a lot of money. And our fundraising effort begins today. At the entrance of the church, to the left, as you go out, you will see a new board up, which um, gives a visual of phase one and phase two for our sanctuary renovation. And as I said, at this time, phase two is conditional. As I explained to the Archbishop, we realized we can be flexible with our second phase. If we think funds are insufficient, insufficient to complete the entire project, we can eliminate parts of for example, the angels, each of the angels in the dome cost $10,000 apiece, in total $80,000. The 10 Carmelite saints estimated about 15,000 apiece, one hundred and fifty. So <clears throat> we can decide whether we want to go forward with, with that part of the, the project as we, as we go along. Also available today are brochures. These are at the entrances of the church and, and at the side door. I mean, which explain the sanctuary renovation and the funding of it, it folds out nicely, okay. And um, it explains how one may make a donation for the overall project, just a general donation for phase one and phase two, or for a specific work of art. I'll say this, a donation for the tabernacle and the new altar has been received already. And someone may be willing to sponsor an entire piece of art, for example, Saints and we'll have a plaque for those who sponsor something uh, to that extent. If uh, people pledge money for a certain work of art that ends up being cancelled, for example, the angels in the in the dome, they will have the option to have their money returned because all donations will be specifically earmarked and held in a separate account. In the brochures you'll find a separate Card, here it is, okay, which specifies the different ways to donate by check, by credit card, or one may even go online. I'm hoping to set that up in just a couple of days so someone can go online and make a donation. You may be, one may make a donation, a total donation for a piece of art at one time, or uh, spread out the donation over a series of months or a year. We are hoping that our altar. We were hoping that our altar would be finished by our festival in July, but it doesn't look like that's going to take place. We hope it will be done by the end of the year. I ask you prayers as we go forward with this effort to render our sanctuary more beautiful with sacred art, and I'll be at the front entrance of the church to answer any questions after Mass for anyone who has them. I'll end by quoting a little piece written by Father McKenna, there are any Knights of Columbus here, this is from the April Knights of Columbus newsletter. He just happened to write this not in favor of this project, but it fit in so well I thought I would quote him. He says, there was a time when people entered the Catholic Church and knew it was something unique and special. They sensed it was a place suited for worship and nothing else. There was at the center an altar for sacrifice, a tabernacle, telling us that Jesus is present and a shelter for the saints. It was not just a hall for listening to sermons or singing hymns. It was a place for sacrifice and the worship of God. Yes, how true. Let us pray that God may bless this undertaking of our sanctuary renovation in order to give more glory to him and as well as our patroness, Our Lady of Mount Carmel to all the saints through the beauty of sacred art. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit,